Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Marcella Hafson of Bellingham, Washington. Halverson. Sure, it's not Halfson. Like yeah. you say the L, like no, right. Halverson. Halverson. This week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Marcella Halverson of Bellingham, Washington. Marcella will get a marathon decal showing she watched twenty six point two hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Ronald Young Jr. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedure, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent SVU or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 4, Episode 1, Chameleon. We can pin all of these on Maggie Peterson? That's what it's looking like. One self-defense murder I can buy, but six of them. This lady's a serial killer, Captain. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Kevin. I'm so happy to be here. And rounding out the panel is our special guest from Leaving the Theater and the HBO Docs Club podcast. It's Ronald Young Jr. Hello, Ronald. Hello. It's good to be back. Yeah. Look, every time you come on the show, you get a bigger, better job. <laughs> I want to know, should we be getting a cut? Yeah, probably. I probably owe y'all like 10% more than likely. Yeah. No. That's good. Usually the agent only gets like eight. That's good. Nah, y'all deserve more than that. Y'all are doing the Lord's work on this show and on Crime Writers On. <laughs> well, look, your social media handle is, oh, it's Big Ron, which if you look at it fast, looks like, oh, hits Big Ron. <laughs> Why did you not think of, hey, it's Big Ron? Um, you know, it's was that taken? It, it, you know, probably one. And the other thing is like it's just so funny because the O is meant to be like a surprised O, and a lot of people don't know that. So it's most supposed to be like, oh, oh, it's Big Rod. Like, it's like, like the Kool-Aid man just busted through the wall. Not exactly, like, oh. Kevin. It's like a like a, a startled, not like a scared, <laughs> but like, oh, like you're you know, like if you were in the kitchen at your job and I yeah. came around the corner and you had a cup of coffee yeah. and you didn't spill a lot of it, but just a little bit, like, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's big Rod. Exactly. You're nailing it. <laughs> so run of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite law and order detective team? Favorite law and order detective team uh i you know what i forget how i answer this question so it, the more it's perfect it's like fresh 
<laughs> but it feels like it honestly feels like a uh, like a test question every time. No, nope, um, not a test. But I'm pretty pretty sure it's Tutuola and uh, and Munch. Yeah, solid pick. Yeah, solid pick. We do get some good Finn and Munch action in this episode. Yeah, we get ponytail Tutuola too, so that's nice. I <laughs> <laughs> like, I wish you know when we talk about like Olivia Benson's different haircuts through the years, there's got to be a line of demarcation in his in his career where Ice T no longer has the ponytail. And when he stops going by ice dash T yeah. and it's just ice space T. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think it was like when editors and newsrooms were like, give up the ghost on the M dash in print stories. And they're like, just do a regular dash or a semicolon. Exactly. Like that. <laughs> yeah. And right. Who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. I think I, I, I I'm trying to remember how I always answer this. I, Pretty sure it's Casey Anthony, and I'm calling her by Casey her wrong. Anthony. I'm calling her by her wrong really? name, isn't it? Aren't I? Casey Anthony. That's Casey a, Novak. Casey yeah. Anthony would be Novak. a good choice. Don't Miss you Novak. remember Miss Novak? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why I was like, why am I calling her Casey Anthony? Yeah, uh, Casey Novak. <laughs> but Casey Anthony would be an inspired choice. Yeah, Casey Anthony prosecuting sex crimes. It's like. How listen, desperate is Dick Wolf now? Listen, I may or may not have murdered my own child. I'm just saying. But you can put me up here. I'm coming from a place of experience, Your Honor. <laughs> take it from me. All right, let's take a look at the first half of this episode. Special Victims Unit Season 4, Episode 1, Chameleon. Well, can a topless nightclub just host a bachelor party without the Vice Squad raiding it? Benson and Stabler are called in after one of the working girls says a man tried to rape her. And while they're there, the police discover a woman strangled and hanging from a bathroom stall. Anything conclusive from the rape kit? No fluids from the preliminary. The guy probably used a condom and it looks like she was strangled. Trace evidence of the crime scene is going to be a joke. I don't even want to know how many different DNA strands are on the bathroom floor. This guy was ballsy. Public place, plenty of potential witnesses. He tries to rape one woman. When she's too much trouble, he just finds another. Benson and Stabler aren't getting much information from the sex workers or from... None with the heart of gold and a pocket full of condoms, Sister Peg. Finn, Munch, and Warner respond to a similar murder where they find a bloody thumbprint. It belongs to Sean Becker, a violent sexual predator just released from Attica. Before Olivia and Elliot can arrest him, gunshots come from his hotel room. A prostitute named Deborah says Becker had raped her, but she got his gun and fired. Craig and Cabot agree it's a straight self-defense case, but there's a problem with the gun. It's traced to an unsolved homicide from six months ago, back when Becker was still in prison. That victim had his credit card stolen and was used by a blonde woman who bought children's items. They find that Deborah is actually Maggie Peterson, a single mom with a two-year-old boy. The detectives find six unsolved cases of Johns being killed and a credit card stolen. The detectives get another call about a dead John. His credit card was used at a high-end hotel, which is where they find Maggie and her boy. All right, so we start at the Club Onyx, where the girls are grabbing guys' asses and asking if they want to go someplace private before the cops bust in like the Kool-Aid man. Hmm. Now, while (laughs) Elliot and Olivia are questioning Chantilly, Mm -hmm. uh, the vice cops find a body, and they say, What do you mean there's no evidence? Come see this. Hey, Come here, you gotta see this. So walking over are Elliot, Olivia, and Chantilly. Did she really think the cop was saying, 
Hey, Chantilly, you too. <laughs> you got to see this. The, the funny part about that is when she when she shows up over there, no one even stops her from getting closer to the body or anything. They're just like, yep, we want a Chantilly here to see this as well. This makes sense. We're, we're good. Yeah, she's kind of pointing at herself like, me? Yeah. Hey, should I come to? Yeah, all right, fine. Listen, she has medical experience. She's a doctor. We all know she does. there's a lot going on. Chantilly is very sassy, as mm-hmm. we hear. And she's not unwilling to put her nose into every situation. Yeah. By the way, when Chantilly sees the body, she goes, Oh my God. That's Randy. That's Randy. <laughs> yeah, baby. That's Randy. Yeah. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? Listen, she, she cried rape. She's all yours, right? Yeah. <laughs> Look, she's such a pain in the ass. She gets pissed when they offer her coffee. Detectives Munch and Tutuola are going to get you coffee while you wait for the sketch artist. That's your answer. Coffee is your answer. And Finn says, you get something in your mouth, maybe you shut up for five seconds. Oh. Which is the first on <laughs> my Ron's list. Ron has a new segment. What's yeah. it called? It's, uh, it's uh, Lines That Do Not Age Well. Lines That Do Not Age Well. That's actually the second on my list of lines of do, that do not age well. The first one happened at the Onyx from one of the cops who said uh, when Chantilly said that she was assaulted. He tried to rape me. Sweetheart, when they don't pay you, it's not rape. It's theft of services. Oh. And I was like, yeah, yeesh, old school SVU. <laughs> so we see uh, Sister Peg for the first of eight SVU appearances. By the way, do you know that over the show she was kidnapped? Twice? Mm-hmm. We need to talk to the women who've seen him. Can't do that. I'm sorry. And you care about these girls, huh? In the past year, I was mugged four times. Once at knife point. You tell me, detective, do I care about him enough? She was killed in season 12 when Jenna Fox shot up the squad room. Spoiler alert. Forcing Elliot to shoot her <laughs> and then leave the show. So she was all part of that big mess. Anyway, just like all the Catholic nuns that I went to school with, uh, she's out on the mean streets handing out condoms. Uh, I don't know whether she's a hero or just a disgruntled employee. She also keeps a big trick list, a big bad trick list. A bad trick list. (laughs) The other thing is, like, she's obviously, like, dressed down for a nun. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have a ton. I don't have a ton of Catholic experience. But every time they're like, Sister Peg, I'm like, is this? Like, I've never seen her in a habit on any episode of this show. So I don't understand, like, what's, what's happening. Is it dressed down day or what? It's almost like she's just like a feminist who wants to do like pro-sex workership, but just doesn't want to fuck anyone. So yeah. she's like, I just want to be a nun. Like a nun is a good job that I can have where I can also do the oh, things yeah, that, that I want to do. Oh yeah, that checks all those boxes. Yeah. And like, and like, and I also get free housing and have some meals with some good simple soup and some bread. Yeah. yeah. And then just get to hand out some condoms and keep a big bad list of bad johns. I don't know. I don't know if don't ask, don't tell is their actual policy on condoms. And and in the you know, in the in the age where abortion was illegal before oh, now nuns were usually nuns yeah. were like the Underground Railroad bringing like women to yep. have abortions in places where it was legal. I have to wonder if Sister Peg, is that a code name? Is her name actually Peg or is she Sister Peg? Does that mean something else? I don't know. I love Sister Peg. I love everything that she's doing. (laughs) Wait, a code name? Where are we going with that one? (laughs) I love everything that she's doing. That's all I got to say. I just think the nun is a convenient job for that. Maybe she just wants to be a feminist who gets free meals. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that actually (laughs) being her backstory. I pause at Sister Peg being a code name. 
That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Sister Peg is what Angelina Jolie's brother says when she visits for Christmas. Oh, my God. <laughs> Kevin, I forget, you know, I always forget about this show until I'm back on this show. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, Kevin. <laughs> All right, let's start with our Hey, It's That Girl. Okay. Hey, it's that girl. So who is the actress playing Maggie Peterson? <gasps> Ronald, do you know? That is Sharon Lawrence. You're a tease, Detective Stabler. And everything about you says, look at me, look at what you can't have. Well, I, I like that. I aspire to that. Best known for playing Sylvia Costa's Sipowitz on NYPD Blue, for which she was nominated three times for an Emmy Award, or, as Ronald calls it, the Oscars of Television. Correct. That's the name. That's what it is. She had to appear nude on network television with Dennis Franz. Ugh. I don't remember. Did you guys <laughs> wait, ever wait, see that? Wait. Yes. Yeah. I don't ever remember a lot of full frontal. There was a whole lot of bare ass, but NYPD <laughs> Blue was supposed to change network television, right? Today, there is some coarser language. Right? It was supposed to compete with the prestige stuff on HBO with violence Wire, and nudity yeah. And, yeah, and language. 20 years later, though, no one on network TV doing nudity or sort of following in those footsteps. Poor Sharon Lawrence. Well, yeah, I know. She, she, she sacrificed herself as a trailblazer and nobody came out behind her with, with their own bare ass. So why did, why is network TV not doing that? Well, why do, what do you think no, like, that, went wrong with that crusade? That's not the right question. No, it is the right question. Well, then no one's doing it because she had to do it with Dennis fucking Franz. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, that might be a bit of a deterrent there. And not to not to body shame, but I mean, it is like, I mean, he's just such a, like a, like a regular, just like dad guy, just blue collar, like talks like this. Like, it's just like, there's, I don't know. Racist. Any, yeah. And where's awful the character, but then where's the sexual energy? That's what I'm wondering for Dennis. Yeah. France. But, and you know, now that I said that I'm going to, I don't want to get canceled because an army of listeners are all like, we love Dennis France. We think he's beautiful. No, no, it's not that, Ronald. That so, shower scene was no, no, amazing. No, no, no. Can I just say something? <laughs> There's something wrong with this in both directions, okay? Okay. There's nothing wrong with Dennis Franz. There's also would have been nothing wrong with him being with a woman who did not look like Sharon Lawrence. That's and true. this is the issue with television is they have to put like um, Kevin James with his, the wife that looked like his wife on The King of Queens. Yeah. They always have to put like every schlubby guy with like a gorgeous woman NYPD Blue was the very worst perpetrator in this, putting Dennis Franz with fucking Sharon Lawrence, who looks like she stepped down from Mount Olympus. Yeah, she's an attractive <laughs> to be with this woman. guy yeah. who not only looks like like a Plato-made guy, but also she is gorgeous. And he on his character on that show was also a repugnant character. He wasn't just like unattractive. He was a repugnant character. Yeah. My question was, and I'm going to make sure we go back to it, <laughs> is that in 1995, they said the future will be that all these network dramas will have nudity and have swearing in them. And none of them do. They like right. stepped it up on on expanded cable, right? Like that's where your yeah. FXs and your AMCs they filled in the gap. It's just like now we don't watch because I mean, if you think about it, what's the oh no, we're changing the nature of the show. But if you think about it, what's like the last real big prestige show that you were watching on network television for mm. real? You know, like it, like we're I remember the days of Lost and of uh, yeah. of of Desperate Housewives and all of that. Yeah. But at some point. 
Breaking Bad came through, and then the cable networks just American Horror Story and Mad Men. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you're right. No one wants to see John Locke's junk. No, mm. not at uh, all. Yeah. Well, I, I would. Uh, <laughs> hey, can you name the actress playing Sister Peg? I keep a bad trick list. Sort of an internal memo about Johns to avoid. That is Charlene Woodard. Yeah, Tony Award nominee in 1978 for Ain't Misbehaving. Hmm. She also had recurring roles on Fresh Prince, Chicago Hope ER, among others. And she was a regular on the Billy Porter show Pose and was in episodes with guest stars Christopher Maloney and Catherine Irby. That's hmm. dope. Yes. <laughs> She's also a playwright, having written five plays, three of them which were autobiographical. Now, I think once you write one play about your life, can you really go back and say, wait, there's more? I mean, her life must have been pretty cool. It was done in parts. Oh, wait, I got another one. I got another one. I got another one. I got a whole, whole come, come back, come back, come back. All right. Come back, come back, come back for another two hours. I got another one. I got another one. <laughs> we do have a crossover. Crossover, crossover. Appearing as D.A. Nora Lewin from The Mothership. Who is it? Oh, that is Diane Weist. But I'm not going to kill anyone, male or female, if there's a possibility that they acted in self-defense. Yeah, uh, two-time Oscar winner, two-time Emmy winner, and Golden Globe winner Diane Weist. Right now, she's in the show Mayor of Kingstown on Paramount+. And The Preacher's Wife from Footloose. And The Preacher's Wife from Footloose. But look, if you're going to reboot one of her movies, they are doing a reboot of... The Lost Boys. Really? That was the uh, the teenager vampire movie. Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland, Jamie Kurtz. Uh, both Corys. Had both of the Corys. Nice. Yeah. But everybody wants to know what happened to the shirtless, oiled-up saxophone player who looked like Conan the Bar- Barbarian. Do you remember that? No. That mm-hmm. scene where he was, just, he was playing, the, playing the saxophone, moving around. And, okay, that's Jimmy Capello. Uh, he's like this macho guy. He's still playing... Macho music on the sax. His last album was called Blood on the Reed. No. Like he's playing the saxophone so much that his mouth is bleeding. Somebody went to a wicked, like an IMDb rabbit hole. Yeah, I went way the fuck down yeah. that rabbit hole. Yeah. Thanks for pulling me out. Clicked yeah. every link on every page. <laughs> it was sad. I was looking at YouTube clips. He's like, oh I have 65 God. tabs open. <laughs> hey, we have some repeat offenders. Repeat offender. In the role of Elizabeth Donnelly, back again is Judith Light. Yay! Yeah, that was dope. Please tell me the ER doc's got a history of lying on the stand. Sarah Ramirez from Grey's Anatomy is playing Lisa, a.k.a. Chantilly. Yes. I want everybody's name and badge number. Do you know the actor playing the judge? So now we know. Your objection's overruled, Miss Cabot. Oh, it's that dude. He's in everything. He's in all. He's the judge in so many and like so many episodes. Yeah, of the show. he's in everything. His name is David Lippman. Twenty-seven appearances on the original Recipe Law and Order as Judge Morris Tordelski, but thirteen times he was on SVU as Judge Arthur Cohen. He played two different judges. That Why seems... the fuck did they need to do yeah, that? They didn't have to do that. <laughs> they could have just had this. He's got a whole different nameplate. Why? It's not like any of us would have noted the improbability of him uh, being no. a judge over two different types of cases or anything. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, that's the other goof, goofy judge from the other show. Exactly. It's almost like someone just made an error and put the wrong nameplate in front of him, and that made IMDb have to do more work. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, in the 80s, by the way, he starred in a series of TV commercials for Miracle Whip. <laughs> Your favorite non-mayonnaise product. He looks like a Miracle Whip guy. It's disgusting. Yeah, I don't like it. 
All right, did you happen to catch the actress who was playing the vice cop who tries to arrest Chantilly? Says some guy attacked. He tried to rape me. No. I did not. All right, well, that's Rose C.S. Two Law & Order appearances. She's had bit parts in, in shows like Blue Bloods, Dexter, Gotham, but most of her work has been as a stunt woman for Queen Latifah. Wait, what? Like a body double or like... Like a like doing Queen Latifah's stunts. All right. So, in what movies did Queen Latifah need stunts? Is it called Taxi? Taxi with uh, Jimmy uh, Fallon. With, uh, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Well, in Girls Trip, they did the whole thing with the um, zip like line? zip line over the thingy. Maybe that was that. Could be. I don't know. By the way, does the actor who played Detective Paul Amari look familiar to you? No. Who the fuck was that? I don't, I don't, I don't even have an audio clip of him. He's just somebody there. It's somebody he should look familiar. His name is Kent Castilla. He's had 18 Law and Order appearances as just a random cop. But uh, he has had 182 appearances as Dan Florek Standin. What? Yeah, that means that like when the star was in his trailer between scenes, Kent would come out dressed exactly like Cragen, and he'd sit there and they'd work on stuff and they would adjust the lights to see how bad the light would shine off of Florek's head. He's at the pie plate for Dan Florek. He's the pie wow. plate, yes. All right, so they're talking about how a woman could go into a store with a man's credit card and make purchases without ID. Hmm. She's running all over town with this credit card. No one once asks for ID. You gave me your credit card to buy Kathy's birthday present. Nobody asked me for ID. Um, can we just role play how that might have gone, that discussion? <laughs> Olivia, I'm so busy and I'm such an ignorant man. If I gave you my credit card, could you go buy my wife's birthday present for I me? I have four daughters. <laughs> I have to go to the gym to keep up this body. <laughs> Who are you trying to impress? What the fuck does he have to do that she's also not doing at the same That's time? That's exactly what, yeah. When, when you say it that way, it's like both of y'all are together at work all the time. How are you more busy than she is to run this errand? Like, what? It's like, I got to go to the morgue. Can you go buy a present for my wife? Say, hey, I'll go to the morgue, buy your own fucking yeah, present. Exactly. It's the most gendered thing I can think of. It's like, I'll write this report. Can you go buy the present for my wife? Like, what is the scenario where he is having his female partner yeah. go buy the birthday gift for his wife? By what do you think she bought? Ooh, man. Mm. A card that says, I hope you die in an overly complicated car bomb meant for my boo. <laughs> yeah. uh, she, she apparently didn't buy her any Kevlar, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> There's one more thing about that scene, which is that, <laughs> which is that when she responds and says about the credit card thing, when, uh, when uh, Olivia responds to Stabler about the credit card thing. You gave me your credit card to buy Kathy's birthday present. Nobody asked me for ID. Because you look like a cop. Why don't you spend the money on? I do not look like a cop. And I immediately said out loud to the television, I was like, yeah, you do with that cop ass haircut. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It was the coppest she's ever looked on this show the 100%, entire time she's been on the show, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, it, it played to me, Ronald, like almost like an ad lib because of Mariska's reaction, the way she gave the line yeah. and kind of stepped on, on uh, Christopher Maloney. Yeah. It, it kind of feels to me like he just used that line or he changed the line to fuck with her and they kept it because <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a good probably. it was a good back and forth, but we all agree that's not our that's not our favorite Benson haircut. We all agree on that, right? That's yes, it's that's not our favorite. No, okay. not right. the best. Okay, not the, not as good as the lob. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, there's another murdered John found stabbed in his car. And so Elliot asks Finn what the medical examiner said. And so he said the guy died pre-release. Pre-release? Was that significant? Now that's just cold. You know what that is? Sweet wisdom from Finn. <laughs> How does the medical examiner know that, that it was pre-release? As if he go back and says, well, detective, you can see how blue the balls are. <laughs> Aren't the boys just behind the starting line? Isn't that what yeah, it I is? Know. I don't know. It's like they're weighing it. It's like, oh, it's extra heavy. Yeah. The, there's no any scenario you come up with for them to figure out it's pre-release. I'm disgusted by just any, sort anything of like some sort of say. like Vaz Deferin situation. Yeah. Where they're like behind one line and they haven't crossed the next line. <laughs> like they, These guys got six stab wounds. Why are they spending time looking inside the penis shaft? Weren't you not? <laughs> to see if there's any pre-cum in there. <laughs> That's their job. That's their yeah. job. That's their job. It's it's like, one of those long. Long Q-tips and like we we'll just slish it down there. Okay. And then, uh, meantime, the cops are not- like, I don't know, <laughs> serrated edge. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just gonna break in one second here. You don't have any fucking problem on this show when they're shoving Q-tips in any part of a woman Uh-oh. looking for any evidence of any shit that happened to her in any hole. Uh-oh. This is the first time you've asked this question about a man situation. It's ever. just the practicality of it. <laughs> if I could if I could clarify on Kevin's behalf, I will say that I think we all are still fascinated by the fact that they said it was pre-release. I think that's <laughs> that's what's tripping us up here because like the idea of swabs and all that, you're absolutely right, Rebecca, happens to women on this show all the time but they for them to use those words we're like there has to be a scientific method that tells you that information you guys don't just guess that you know maybe his face was just like (laughs) (laughs) his his teeth were clenched he's like "Ah." so close (laughs) it's like she takes out the knife he's like that's not what I meant by edging Oh God! Uh, by the way, when 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 Stapler asks Finn, uh, what? Yeah, you can't stop it laughing. It really is every time. Uh, this is the dirtiest thing we've ever talked about on this show. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So when when uh, he's asked what the Emmy said, Ice T says the cause of death was two to four hours ago. The cause of death was between two and four hours ago. I think you mean the time of death. <laughs> <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Before they question Maggie on the murders, Huang goes in first. Who knows how traumatized she is? If she feels like she's being ganged up on, then she could just shut down completely. I'll just do a brief exam, and then the two of you will be better equipped to question her once I'm done. 
This is new territory for everybody. I agree with the doc. Do the recon. Let us know where she's at. He says Maggie is performing, just telling him what he wants to hear. They send Elliot in to see what will happen. And then she goes all Dave Matthews band and hikes up her skirt a little more and shows him her world. (laughs) Benson comes in with her pixie haircut and cock block energy and makes the arrest. Cabot wants Maggie to be the first woman on New York's death row. Bureau Chief Elizabeth Donnelly is all for it, but District Attorney Nora Llewellyn and her quiet fuck-off energy says that's not what feminism is all about. To make the case for self-defense, her attorney presents evidence that the victims all had violent pasts, and a medical report shows Maggie turned up with injuries around the time of the murder. On the stand, she says she's only in this dangerous lifestyle to support her son. Benson spots that in a medical report from 18 months ago, there was no indication she was pregnant. A quick DNA test shows Maggie's son belongs to a woman who was killed in a parking lot and whose child had vanished. Alex offers Maggie a 15 to 20 year plea to avoid the death penalty. In the morning before she's supposed to appear in court, Maggie hangs herself in the jail cell. Hmm. All right, well, they do bring in Wong. Bring in Wong. He's on wrong. Bring in Wong. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Is that new? I've had it before, Rebecca. You it's, just, yeah. it's new to me. I new like to it. you. <laughs> He says, like, hey, guys, you know me. I only need five minutes. Mm. And I will diagnose everything that's ever been wrong with Yes. Me. Just Correct. like Juan ever did. Yes. The world's best psychotherapist. What's your diagnosis? She's not psychotic. But she does seem to suffer from PTSD and dissociative episodes. So you're still thinking it's a rape trauma? No. She's lying. She's just telling me what I want to hear. <laughs> uh, he asks if she ever blacks out, and she says, I do. Really? But Carol Burnett gets a twitch in her eye, and you think she has brain cancer? Yes. The fuck, Huang? Huang. <laughs> the thing that gets me, is there anything that he can't diagnose? No, and it takes him three minutes to do it. Yeah. He's incredible. Every time. I'll tell you about your life. Do you know that I saw him in M. Butterfly when I was in high school, and I had a signature on my photo? Really? really? Along with John Lithgow's. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. It was incredible. Hey, that's great. <laughs> I, I, I never get to hear them live. This is amazing. <laughs> so no one gets more interrogation room puss shoved in his face than Elliot Stabler. It's true. It's true. And no one looks at it more than Elliot Stabler. Yeah, no one so considers gross. it more than Elliot Stabler. You're absolutely right. Well, guys like you, you know, usually like to talk. Guys like me? I am a professional, Detective Stapler. I know men. (laughs) Why don't you sit back down over there? (sighs) But you are different from most of the others. Am I now? They really try to make it like he's being noble. I'm like, yo, you are, you're sitting there with Sharon Lawrence in your face. You're thinking about it. You're thinking about it, Elliot Stabler. Like three times. Yeah. yeah. Glance. Yeah. Hard glance. Yes. Harder glance. <laughs> and you should have measured his blue ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, she baits him a little bit. She says, Well, you try to be nice and normal, but there's a part of you that will never be that guy. I mean, look at your body. Who are you trying to impress? Who are you trying to impress? Me? You know, we really need to pose this question to 61-year-old Christopher Maloney right now. Who are you it's trying real. to impress? Me? Oh, you're already impressed, though. <laughs> Listen, I hate Stabler the character. The worst. And Christopher Maloney has been problematic on Twitter a couple times Correct. with his fat-shaming shit. Yes. 
That being said, I am very impressed by his 61 year old body. <laughs> Not like I think I, I don't think that like people should have to have a body like that. Like I don't give a shit about what people's bodies look like. That being said, dude is doing something where his ass sticks out like four feet. It is kind of incredible. Mm. I don't know what he is doing. Whatever he's doing, it's amazing. Ronald, I, if you were sitting in a chair <laughs> at a table uh-huh. and a woman came over and spread her legs right in front of you, mm-hmm. it would be hard to maintain eye contact. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. Like that, that's what yes. I'm, if I'm if I'm doing an interrogation, if I was at work uh, or in, like in an office somewhere, if I was in a doctor's office, whatever, it's going to be like I don't know what's happening here, but my eyes are going everywhere, and that's certainly I, not. I, I think that'd be like, the best doctor's appointment I've ever had. Like, it would be where? very difficult for me to maintain eye contact as well. I just want to let you both <laughs> off the hook. Yeah, I would be you. like, "What you got going on down what's, there, lady? Uh, what's uh, what's what, what's all this about? <laughs> you've been you've been I don't know. You've been using that like special deodorant they sell on Facebook." What kind of haircuts you got down there? I would be very curious. Uh, yeah, me. yeah. I check out the bean. I would. <laughs> All right. Thanks for bringing it home, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, I would just be curious to know if she was wearing underwear. I. She wasn't though, right? We're supposed to imply that oh, she was. Oh no, you wouldn't need your eyes for that. That was supposed to be like a Sharon Stone like what? Situation, Why would I right? need my eyes for that? <laughs> <laughs> you could use your other senses if she's not wearing no, underwear. I get it. I oh, stop what it, you Kevin. Meant. I understood what you meant. <laughs> so we have Cabot, Donnelly, and Lewin. They're all debating whether or not it is feminist to execute a woman just the same as executing a man. If this was a man we were talking about who was abused as a child and then murdered four women, would we even be having this discussion? If you were seeking the death penalty, of course we would. I don't think so, Nora. Because executing a man wouldn't offend the female constituents who put you in office. Whom we choose to execute is always a political decision. Let us turn to our resident feminist. <laughs> I know you oppose capital punishment, yes, but yes. you understand what they're arguing here. Yes. Good for the goose, good for the gander. Tell me what you think. Okay. That, if, and then I can be wrong afterwards. If I were pro-capital punishment... I would say, fuck yes, it's feministic to be like, just, you might, I would say, I am, you know, I'm anti-capital punishment. Yeah. The argument is sound as fuck, though. What's good for the man is just as good for the woman. If I were pro-capital punishment, I am totally pro-cabot on this one. That being said, any pro-capital punishment argument is barbaric as fuck. Well, I think and we're all nodding. We all agree with that. Ryan, what do you think? I, uh, Should we execute women just the same as men? Not if we're not paying them the same. I mean, I'm thinking yeah, like, I, I agree. It falls apart when you have a pro capital punishment argument. But if we're not going to, if they're not going to be equal in anything else, then yeah, they should get the get out of jail free card on True. Uh, on that, for that comment, execution. Ron is going to get so much puss in his True. face the next time he sits down at a table. True. There is also the other thing that, they, that they're not acknowledging in this. Wow. They've taken off the table in this particular story because very often in real life, women who are in a situation where they've killed are also like horrible trauma victims. Mm-hmm. They've taken that off the table on this episode and they've basically just made her just like a straight up psychopath who is not somebody that you can empathize with and say, well, she's a horrible victim and therefore not the same as a man who would be in her situation. Yeah. Right. So they've basically made her equivalent to a man who is also a psychopath. Yeah. 
By the way, Ronald, did you know that when a woman gets executed, she only gets 83% of the same lethal injection that a man gets? <laughs> That's not okay. That's not okay. <laughs> What are they? Yeah, they're just like fit for yourself. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> you can just have to just end the podcast right now. You'll never make a better joke than no, that. That's the best <laughs> ever, ever, yeah. ever, 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 ever. Yeah, hey, they say Maggie would be the first woman executed in New York, and it should surprise nobody that that's not true. Uh, nine women have been executed in of New course. York be- before 1963. One of them was Ethel Rosenberg. But that was in New York. That was federal. Yeah, it was federal. It was in, in New York. But yeah, so the others were state crimes. Uh, the legislature reinstated capital punishment in the 1990s, but then abolished it in 2004. So this was in that time period there. So there's currently nobody on death row in New York because there is none. Ironically, Ethel Rosenberg got the same dose of electricity as her husband, and it did not work. It's, they had well, to put it back. They had to let her put her back on the thing. So you're talking about wattage equality. Yeah, exactly. It, oh, it did not work. And she probably, by the way, was not guilty. Fun fact. Mm. Not so fun fact. So yeah, fun. It wasn't fun at all. <laughs> so it wasn't fun at all. Well, Maggie does really well on the witness stand, and the jury appears to be buying that uh, she only puts on the red light to help her son. And that is until Livia puts two and two together, that she wasn't pregnant at the time that she should have been. Doctor would have known if she'd been eight months pregnant. Unless she wasn't. We have her DNA from the rape kit. The child is in ACS custody. They'll give us permission for a sample. Donnelly says, where did she get that baby? And Olivia's like, no, really, where did she get that baby? <laughs> and where can I get one? Yeah. Is there a mall or? <laughs> just walk in? Do they a hand store? them out? Like, what, what's is going on? Is there like build a baby? Yeah. Is, is the QAnon thing right about <laughs> online that you get Charlotte, but it's $7,000 and it's not really a, At a Wayfair? dresser? Yeah. At Wayfair? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I need a new dresser. <laughs> exactly. An armoire. So in the end, they're all in court waiting for Maggie to show up, and she's late as if she's like catching the subway, and that's the reason why she's late. <laughs> like she's not being taken in from prison. The judge says to call down and get her. Call down to the pens and see when Ms. Peterson will be gracing us with her presence. Yes, waiting on defendant Peterson. There's a problem. Uh, I think his affect is all off for that kind of line. It should be like, instead of, there's a problem. He's like, a robot. There's a problem. Like, I accidentally messed up at my job, but I don't want anyone to know. <laughs> I'm just going to come in here and say something mm-hmm. real chill, as if they won't find out later what actually happened. You didn't cause the problem. You just go right ahead and say it. Why are you, you don't have to, you know, cover Oh, no, anybody. he caused the problem. He said, I just left her for a minute, and then she... Hanged herself, which probably took like 20 minutes to do. That's true. Yeah. They said she just sat down and died. Like that does not take that takes some time. You would have had if it was a minute, you should have been able to come back in there and cut that pantyhose. So she died looking real pretty, too. Yeah. 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 Maggie hanged herself in the cell. She took off her stockings, made a noose and then put her shoes back on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why take off both stockings? Don't you just need one? It depends. How do you? She had. She was wearing pantyhose, not stockings. Well, they, didn't, they said stockings. They didn't say pantyhose. Kevin, what are you? What is this? Nineteen thirty-two. Like, I what, don't know. What world do you live in? Do I you, don't know what women have down there. You think they're giving her garters? And <laughs> I prison? don't know. Do you think she was wearing 
pantyhose you, when she it, shoved it in Stabler's face? Is this Chicago? Are you are you like Richard Gere? Like, what are you talking about? Her nylons. <laughs> Her blouse. Her, oh Her pantaloons. I was going to say pantaloons. Her pantaloons. <laughs> Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. This episode is inspired by the story of Eileen Warnos. As a child, she was abandoned by her mother and incarcerated father and raised by her abusive grandparents. She became pregnant at 14 after being raped by a friend of her grandfather. She was kicked out of the house and in 1971, Warnos supported herself through prostitution. Through her teens and 20s, Warnos was arrested for dozens of low-level crimes. She met her living girlfriend, Tyra Moore, at a gay bar in 1986. But her sex work was getting increasingly violent, causing Warnos to act out. Over a period of a year, Warnos murdered seven middle-aged Johns. They'd drive to a secluded part of the woods where she'd shoot them with a twenty-two leave their bodies and nick the cars. In July 1990, Warnos and Moore were spotted leaving the scene of an accident in their latest victim's car. Warnos was arrested on an outstanding warrant. Moore agreed to get a confession from her in exchange for immunity. At trial, she claimed the men all tried to rape her and the shootings were all in self-defence. The jury didn't buy it and she was convicted on six counts of first-degree murder. After 12 years on death row, she was given a lethal injection in October 2002. Eileen Warnos was only the second woman to be executed in the state of Florida. So many people know the story uh, from the motion picture Monster, which won Charlize Theron an Oscar, or as Ronald likes to call it, the Emmy Award for Movies. (laughs) Uh, Forget showing her tits. She did a whole film without makeup. Yes. Uh, So brave. Hollywood, yeah, Hollywood hails that as a brave performance. Actually, they made her not just like not to make the man look ugly. They did. They gave, yeah. her, they gave her ugly makeup. Yeah, she looked like Billy Joel. It was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I don't think Billy Joel's Inside ugly, joke. but uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so, psychoanalysis of Warnos tagged her as the only female serial killer. If you go by the definition uh, that the academics and the criminologists use, uh, it's one who kills for personal satisfaction. Multiple times. Many women who commit multiple murders do it for a financial benefit or something like that. They say that she is unique in the fact that she derived her own pleasure 
from the different killings much as a, as a man would. I don't know about that. I think I think I is mean, a difference without a distinction, really. I, I mean, I think when you add the trauma, like especially like the trauma that women have to face in dealing with men on a regular basis, it's it's kind of it feels surprising that there aren't more women serial killers. You know what mm. I mean? So like, yeah, it kind of feels it 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 kind of feels like I understand what they're saying, but just this just feels different. Even reading about Eileen Warnos, uh, it just feels like there's that's a life of trauma that this woman led and it's not surprising that she acted out and most of the trauma inflicted on her was by men and most of her victims were men so it's like what are we talking about here there's clearly something here we need to fix i think the random characterization of who is and who isn't a serial killer is total fucking bullshit yeah i think if you kill a bunch of people in order you are in fact a serial killer for whatever the motivation, if you kill this person and then this person and then this person and then this person, you are, in fact, a serial killer. The same way as if you put a series of podcast episodes out about the same story, you are a serial storyteller, right? Yeah. Well, I just, No, 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 okay. no, no. I'm just going to say the FBI has decided that... A, a kind of killer has to be motivated by a certain kind of thing. Oh, there order. are different categories. We have to split that them being up for said, different That being yeah, said, okay. a spree killer is the kind of person who does it all in one day yep. for whatever reason. A serial killer is a person who's done a series of killings. But the FBI has described that a certain kind of motivation has to be behind that kind of killings. I don't agree with that. And I think that there's like gendered stuff behind it. I think there's just some sort of like like uh, psychosexual stuff behind it, by the way. Yeah, particularly it, for what they consider a serial it, killer. By the yeah. way, it tends to actually target people who are gay, the psychosexual stuff. Yeah. It tends to target people who have sort of like transgender stuff. Mm-hmm. There's some psycho- psychosexual stuff behind it that has also sort of criminalized certain other parts of the population that is, I'm also not comfortable with. Yeah. I think if you're going to have a serial killer thing, just make it people who kill people in a row. Just call it a kind of killing, not a pathology. Yeah. That's my That's opinion. actually, yeah. If you, if they kept it more basic, the definition without getting so specific, I think we'd be in better shape because when I, I got into somebody, this one guy told me, he was like, no, that's a spree killing. I'm like, all right. Well, it made me feel the same. I don't know what to. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but I feel like that Just definition. Dead. But if it comes yeah, out to a pathology, exactly. Like, yeah. At the funeral for Warnos, they played her favorite song, which is Natalie Merchant's 1995 hit Carnival. Oh. Apparently she played it over and over again while she was on death row. And I think after listening to Tiger Lily for a few weeks, Lethal Injection would seem like a relief to me, too. <laughs> Listen, every like adult contemporary rock station I know also played Carnival over and over and over again. And that's why we have all these serial killers now. I figured her song would have been <laughs> Let the Bodies at the Floor. that's gonna do it for us we want to thank our special guest ronald young jr ronald where can our listeners follow you online you can follow me on twitter instagram and tiktok at oh it's big ron that's at o-h-i-t-s-b-i-g-r-o-n and per usual i host leaving the theater and you can listen to that wherever you subscribe to podcasts you can track me on Twitter at Hey It's Big Ron <laughs> and Rebecca Lavoy. How can our listeners follow you? I'm just gonna say, listen to Ron's podcast, Leaving the Theater. It's freaking awesome. And follow me on Twitter at Reb Lavoy. Tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. 
Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Other Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.